Jordan is on best. Harper's on middle. Welcome to another edition of the Indie Cornrows Podcast. I am your host, Mark Schindler, uh, coming at you with a new pod on the coaching search. Because uh, obviously last night we had a ton come out on the coaching search. I was going to try and get this recorded last night. I think I did four podcasts yesterday, and I, I had to get some homework done on top of it as well. But it's a busy day yesterday, but I'm getting, I woke up early so I can get this done this morning and have this out to you guys. Um, so obviously if you were not on Twitter last night or if you don't have Twitter, uh, you may not be aware of everything that went down, and, and I want to talk about, A, what happened, and, and B, um, how it impacts the Pacers in their coaching search. So, you know, first and foremost, the uh, the big drop of the day was that Ty Lue signed a five-year deal to become the Los Angeles Clippers head coach. And, you know, right off the bat, that impacts the Pacers because it was announced that Chauncey Billups would be the lead assistant in L.A. That was the initial thought. And then uh, later reporting from Jay Michael and uh, Adrian Wojnarowski came out that uh, Billups will become the assistant if he does not become the Pacers head coach. So he is still in the running to be the Pacers head coach. And we'll talk about the impact of that in a second. Secondly, off of that, uh, it was also mentioned that that Mike D'Antoni is a potential um, assistant candidate in Brooklyn, where he would team up with his former player and Steve Nash, kind of a seven seconds or less Suns reunion. Maybe we'll get some Joe Johnson or Quentin Richardson in there. Who knows? Um, so that that's interesting as well, because MDA is was listed recently as a considered candidate still by the Pacers for the head coaching search. Um, and the, the last kind of announcement on there is that Dave Yeager uh, officially signed his deal to become a part of uh, Doc Rivers' staff in Philadelphia. So Dave Yeager, who you know reportedly did not have a great interview with the Pacers, is, is out of the coaching search entirely now, as he is now an assistant in Philadelphia. Um, so you know, first looking at this in terms of impact, uh, with Chauncey Billups getting his name in as uh, as being a potential assistant, I think one thing that that's pertinent that got put out. I think Caitlin put this out um, yesterday and thought that it looks a little funky that he would put his name into the assistant coaching search right away when he's still um, being mentioned as the head coach or, or in the head coaching search for the Pacers. And, you know, maybe it's this is not to put words in her mouth, but my way of taking it is maybe it's, A, I mean, he's been a color analyst with the Clippers for a couple of years now uh, after finishing his career there. Um, he's had connections with that staff and with those players. So, I mean, it would make sense for him to join as an assistant there. But I think maybe partially it, it puts a little bit of pressure on the Pacers to, to make a decision. Um, so I think that does this overall impact the Pacers coaching search is a great way of looking at it. I think yes, but only really if they're super focused on, on Chauncey Billups being the head coach. So I, I do think maybe it expedites the coaching search, but if they're not really that enamored with Chauncey. I don't think it maybe has that. Well, I mean, I'm sure it'll have an impact on it because they want to do their due, due diligence and, um, you know, talk to everyone and make sure that they are making the decision that they want. Um, but it's it's an interesting thing nonetheless. I mean, I, I you know, in, in past podcasts with, with Tom or with Caitlin or with anyone that's come on the show 
or shows that I've been on, you know, I, I'm I'm pretty high on Chauncey Billups and just the idea of him. Um, but Tony East of of Locked On um, put out he he made a really great point about Chauncey. You know, I mean, he's you'd have to have a very different staff with Chauncey because he's going to be a first time head coach. Um, we don't know what what he he'd be bringing to the table necessarily in terms of what he's doing on court and even some of the stuff off court. You know, that's all first time experience. Um, so it's definitely something interesting that you have to note and and look at as a front office and as an organization in terms of bringing in somebody like that. So I think in terms of not to say that it would be completely different, but I mean, if you're bringing in a more established guy like Chris Finch or even Mike D'Antoni, um, I, I think you, you not that you're concerned about Chauncey as a coach. I, I think if you're hiring him, you're not you're not concerned, obviously. But you get what I'm saying. I mean, there's less um, there's less pliability with or I mean more pliability with with kind of the coaching staff and, and who who the coach brings in or maybe the front office has some say in that but um, I think that's an interesting angle to look at um, also just kind of looking at the stuff with with Mike D'Antoni I, I don't know if that puts puts pressure on on the Pacers because um, you know that's been reported but I think I mean stuff has come out saying that MDA is still a candidate for the Pacers but also uh, obviously, stuff has come out as well that, yeah, I mean, I mean more in, in that stuff hasn't come out that much. Like, uh, his name has really cooled down since he was mentioned in those talks with the Sixers. Um, and I, I, I don't want to say that he's, like, out of the coaching search. So it's pretty clear that he's not. But uh, I do wonder if the Pacers have kind of just gotten to a point where they're like, okay, we really want to just focus on an assistant. And I don't think this is about uh, saving money. Um, I know that sometimes that can be a – staple of the organization finding ways to cut costs and save money um not to speak that into existence but i think that's true um but i I don't see that as their reasoning for potentially you know not hiring mike d'antoni as head coach i think you know i i he's somebody i would definitely be open to i think he's a great coach and much better than uh he gets credit for especially among some pacers fans um but I, i mean i do think that there's the, the fact that we're not seeing his name nearly as much as before Nate even got fired in terms of him going to the Pacers, I think that's telling. Um, not, you know, I mean, we could still wind up with him as head coach next week, but I, I'm not sure. You know, I, that's, that's just my analysis on it and my thoughts. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, obviously Dan Craig and, and Chris Quinn still have to interview for the Pacers job if that hasn't happened already this week. Um, but, I mean, they're going to have their face-to-face interviews. Jay Michael put out that, that the Pacers were narrowing down their search to three candidates, and he believed Billis was one of the finalists. Mike D'Antoni is, believes himself to be one of the finalists, so that leaves one guy. Seems like it would be Chris Finch. I don't know. Um, I, you know, that's just a report. I'm not sure what to take from that. I trust Jay's word, obviously. I don't think that he would be pulling our leg or anything. Um, but it's starting to get to the point now. I think we're getting – in on being maybe a few weeks away from having this. I mean, obviously, if they're making, if they've cut down the search from twenty plus guys down to uh, to three now, that's huge. I don't know if it's quite there, but um, yeah, yeah, it's it's pretty clear that it, it has narrowed down, uh, and it'll be interesting to see what happens with Houston. Um, I mean, they still have to hire a coach, and obviously, Daryl Morey is out now. So that completely changes up what they're doing, um, in my opinion, at least. I think it will. Um, that was a whole weird debacle. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, as the, the lay of the land starts to fall out with the rest of the NBA, 
in terms of their coaching setup and, and, and how the front offices are laying everything out. I think it's kind of, I don't, I, I really don't want to say putting pressure on the Pacers, but I think to an extent it is. I mean, I, we've, we've mentioned this before, but they, again, I, I'm trying not to be overly critical, but I think it's just, a, it's not a bad look per se, but it's a weird, uh, just a weird situation to have gone without having a coach for this long, especially like if you, Firing Nate McMillan the way that the organization did, you know, as soon as they did after, um, or I guess it was like a week or two after, or a week after losing in the playoffs. Um, you, and it, you, you think firing somebody that early, maybe you have a plan in place for who you want to hire. And um, again, it's not like I think they don't have a plan. They've clearly been been executing everything to try and make sure that they, they have the guys that they want in place at the end of this process. But at the same time, I think there is really something there in terms of thinking about the fact, okay, well, it's been two months now, which it's crazy to say it's been two months, but it has been two months. Um, and there are teams that, that have been, you know, looking for coaches for much less time and they have guys nailed down. And again, it just brings up, this is more me posing a question than, than having an answer. I think it brings into question and we'll see during the season and, and as things unfold with the new coaching staff when they get hired, but um, is it better to, to, to wait around and, and not to say that they're waiting around, but you get what I'm saying, like to take this long to find a new coach while other teams are being maybe a little bit quicker with their decisions than to, to just make a decision right away. I don't know. I, I really don't know. I don't have the answer there. And I think we'll see with time. I trust that Kevin Pritchard is going to make the right decision uh, for the organization, the franchise. And I want to reiterate, I really don't think money is anything to do with this. I could be wrong. Um, but just in my opinion, if money didn't matter at all, they wouldn't have fired Nate McMillan. I mean, if money did matter, they wouldn't have fired Nate McMillan because of how much was left on the contract with that extra year being guaranteed. So I, I, that's, that's just my read on that. Um, but, you know, before we get to the rest of this podcast, uh, we're going to take a quick break. Welcome back. So we're going to, you know, just talk really quick uh, a little bit more about the coaching search and, and you know, just kind of my thoughts on that. And um, then I want to get into one other thing that I've been thinking about this week in terms of the roster and, and in particular one of the players uh, on the on the Pacers team. Um, so, you know, just kind of in wrapping about the coaching search, I think, you know, with everything that's come out now, I, I do – I kind of, and in talking to some guys, I talked to Will Guillory of, uh, first of all, if you don't follow him, he's fantastic. Definitely go follow him. He's the athletic writer from New Orleans. I was talking to him about Chris Finch the other day, and, uh, you know, he spoke really highly on him. And he's he's actually, you know, I, I didn't originally know much about if he was part of the Pelicans coaching search. Um, David Griffin, who is their president of basketball operations, had, had mentioned that Chris Finch will be part of their coaching search. So I'm sure that he is as well, um, still right now. So, there are a lot of merits to hiring that guy. You can obviously point to what he did with AD and, uh, and Boogie Cousins when they were there for the two seasons together um, and did some really inventive stuff. But I do want to shy away from that a little bit. I think, I mean, DeMarcus and AD were both really advanced ball handlers for their size and, and really just smart, intuitive playmakers. And it took a lot to make them work together. Um, so, you know, when, I, when we point at Miles and Domas, I think it's just very different. Uh, Miles does not have the same offensive feel and um 
ability with the ball in his hands that either of those guys have. And that's not to besmirch him. He's just a different player. So I, I, I understand wanting to point at the potential two big lineups and saying, well, maybe Chris Finch will be brought in to make it work. And I think that's a possibility. But um, the idea that it's going to be anything similar to what AD and, and DeMarcus Cousins did is, is that's just, just, just out of the realm of possibility because it's a different scenario, you know. Um, but I do like the idea of Chris Finch just from everything I've heard about, you know, my friends who cover the Nuggets and um, like I mentioned, the people I've heard from in New Orleans. So I think Chris Finch has definitely started to cement himself um, both in the mind of Pacers fans and in, in the mind of the front office apparently as, as a top quality candidate. And I think he's going to get – get the shot potentially if I had to put money down on it right now I think I would choose Chris Finch um that I or not like me personally if I'm the GM I mean I think I would bank on potentially Chris Finch being hired you know I think if you had to have odds on something he would definitely be the highest for me right now in terms of who the Pacers will hire um I think there are some signs pointing to it just from everything that we've heard and, and the way that his name is starting to be talked about now but um that is just my opinion. I still would be really intrigued with a guy like Chauncey. Uh, we still haven't really heard a whole ton about the Heat guys and, and how their interviews will go. Um, and I guess Mike D'Antoni is still lurking in the background. How crazy would that be if we go through this entire debacle? You hear about Mike D'Antoni to the Pacers for almost a year now. Um, he's obviously heavily mentioned before Nate gets fired, heavily mentioned after he gets fired, talked about it being a quote-unquote done deal between him and the Pacers. And then his name just goes off the deep end and it's nowhere. And now it's kind of resurfaced a little bit. And just imagine if out of the blue, Mike D'Antoni is hired as head coach. I wouldn't complain. I don't think it would be the worst thing ever. Um, I actually think it would be a good thing to, you know, everything brings, every opportunity brings a new, new, uh, new chances for success. Um, but I just think that would be the, the most random thing to happen out of this off season for the Pacers. At least there have been a lot of crazy random things like Daryl Morey, uh, stepping down yesterday was crazy. He walks out of Toman Fertitta's office in like dad jeans and a tucked in polo shirt. Would have no idea that he's the president of basketball operations. I mean, not president of basketball. You know what I mean? GM, president of basketball operations. It's pretty much the same thing. It's synonymous, depends on the organization. Um, but that was wild to see. Um, I think that's pretty much all I got on the coaching search for right now. I will obviously update you guys as stuff. Uh, comes out in the future, which I'm sure stuff will probably drop today, of course, right after I drop this podcast. So we'll see. I'll, I'll definitely keep you guys up to date, though, I promise. Um, so the last thing that I really would just want to talk about kind of quickly today, you know, something that I've thought about a lot in terms of theoretical stuff with the roster and, um, you know, how the team might play next year. And I talked about in that, that article I wrote about Domas and, and, and a Pacers-centric, I mean, a Domas-centric Pacers team moving forward. So, in looking at T.J. Warren, obviously played the four almost the entire bubble. That's where he really excelled. Um, obviously not a huge sample size. I mean, I guess we have, like, you include the four games from the playoffs, eight games and seeding games, and you had the preview games, which I don't know how much you can include those. Um, but it's a, a small sample size, but it's a noticeable sample size, right? Um, obviously, we don't expect T.J. to come in and score 26 points per game next year. I think that would be crazy to assume or to think, um, and that's not to talk down on him. I mean, he showed incredible stuff that I think is going to be around next year. Um, I think we're going to be waiting around to see with everyone what the shooting actually looks like next year because there was a huge shooting jump for everyone in the bubble. Um, but in terms of TJ playing at the four, 
obviously that's something that's been talked about. I think it's pretty clear that that one of the centers will not be here next year. I lean it's probably Miles that won't be here uh, just based on reporting and talking to guys. Um, so you bring in the idea of TJ at the four, and I think the, it, without looking at things defensively, I think there are some defensive concerns with him as a four next to next to Domas, just in terms of no rim protection whatsoever. Um, but obviously, you know, there are ways to mitigate that. Um, but just in looking at this in general, with TJ at the four, I think something really important to, to think about and talk about with TJ at the four and getting him advantages and creating mismatches for him uh, on ball when, when he's playing the four on offense is that you can't just have him, quote unquote, at the four on offense, right? So what do I mean by that? Well, if TJ is playing the four on offense or you want him getting those kinds of opportunities, well, you have to have somebody at the three who is, you know, a credible enough threat to have to be guarded by threes. So, like, you can't just have, like, obviously you can get TJ on the guys through, through forcing switches and, and running some creative stuff um, through, you know, maybe using him as a screener or doing anything like that to create just opportunities to, to get mismatches against the defense. But, I mean, if you want TJ lined up not exclusively at the four, but getting guarded by fours pretty often. You have to, and this is just me throwing names out. I, I, I'm planning on doing a trade pod and ideal roster scenarios like uh, sometime soon. Um, but just in terms of throwing a name at the wall of a guy who would have to get guarded by threes for the most part, if you have a guy like, say, Kelly Oubre is at the three, um, you, he has to be, he's a guy who can handle the ball. He can drive to the rim. He can score from the mid-range. He can score from three. He's got to be guarded by a three. I mean, he can be guarded by fours, but at the same time, like, I think he provides enough creative advantages against a defense where you have to worry about him as a scoring threat off the bounce, right? And that's important. It's one thing to worry about shooters. It's another thing to worry about guys who can attack off closeouts, um, who can do things driving to the rim. So that's another thing where, all right, say that I don't think it's going to happen, but imagine Robert Covington is on this team. Um granted TJ's probably not at the four if Robert Covington is there, but just imagine it in terms of offense, right? So Robert Covington, even if you want TJ to, to get more looks against fours, it's a little bit more difficult because Robert Covington is not doing anything in terms of driving to the rim, maybe occasionally, but for the most part, I mean, he's a really good spot up shooter. He can do stuff on high volume, but I think, you know, teams are going to put their their best defender on TJ. I mean, regardless, even if there is a good three, they're going to put their best defender on TJ. But I'm just saying in terms of if you have a guy who's just a spot-up shooter who can't really create off the dribble or create for others out of passing situations, um, you're not really getting TJ that look against force. So that's just something interesting that I've been thinking about in terms of, you know, what Kevin Pritchard and, and company might do with the roster moving forward because I think – well, it's awesome to have TJ at the four and maybe playing some more defensive matchups at the four, although I would like to have more size on the roster. I think he can play against some smaller fours, like a Jeremy Grant type, but you know, if, uh, if he gets matched up against, like say, Christian Woods playing the four still, that's a really tough cover for him. Um, but you know, I think this is, this is my point saying this. I think it, just in looking at how the roster can be built, there's a lot of creativity things that are going to come up for the Pacers. You know, what are they going to do in terms of how they build things out. Because, you, you, I mean, you can look at, okay, if Justin Holiday say he's starting at three next year, which I don't think is going to happen. But, like, say you have a guy in the same vein. A guy is a good defender, can shoot threes, um, but isn't going to do a ton off the bounce or off the dribble, you know, and getting to the rim. 
Um, it's just important. If you can have more guys, you can do that. You can create a lot more in terms of your other guys who are doing that, right? So if if you have secondary players who can, who can do some smaller things um, that allow your primary guys to, uh, to, to be guarded a little bit uh, more freely is the wrong way to put it. But like, if you have other guys who, who have to be worried about, and this sounds simple, right? It sounds very reductive to say that. Like, duh, if you have a guy who can do things uh, off the dribble as a secondary player, that, that does a lot for your primary guy. Of course it does. But I think that's just my point in saying, like, if you want to create mismatches for others, it's important to have uh, the ability to, to punish guys who don't get mismatches or or, or important to, to what am i trying to say it's important to to punish the defense if if you don't force those mismatches right so like uh in terms of you know that's how you force mismatches if you have opportunities to um to create issues for the defense they have to react right so that's how you get, get mismatches and, and try and force those things to happen um i am rumbling on at this point but i think the, generally, my point is getting another wing player who can do things with the ball in his hands, important. And, and again, that's simple. But um, in terms of, of TJ moving to the four uh, and playing there long term, I think that's, that's, that's just something I'm looking at in terms of, you know, the way cross matches are set up in, in, in the NBA. Because I've, I've seen a lot of thoughts on, you know, okay, if TJ's playing at the four, he's getting guarded by fours. It's not necessarily the case depending on the roster. So um, just something important to keep in mind. I, I know I'm sure that Kevin Pritchard and and everyone in the front office is thinking about that, but it was just something I was thinking about. Um, just a quicker pot today. I really wanted to update you guys on everything with the coaching search and just my quick thoughts on TJ. Uh, I have a lot of really exciting stuff coming out next week. Really cool interview coming up on Sunday that I'm, I'm really excited to do, and, uh, and I'll have that on a Monday. I don't want to spoil it for you, um, but I think it'll be really fun just getting some more positivity on the Pacers, a fun voice to come in and, and talk, um, somebody who I, I – have followed for a while and it's going to be uh, really cool to talk with them um if you guys have any questions comments feedback obviously hit me up uh on twitter at m schindler nba or uh, you know in the comments in any cornrows i'll probably do be doing a, a mailbag pod soon because we didn't do one this week so we'll have another one coming out soon um just answering answering some questions I, i'm sure by that point next week we will have some more stuff to talk about i'm anticipating a lot more news this weekend um, with everything that came out yesterday, that was probably the biggest news dump of the off season. Um, but anyways, if if you have not already, please be sure to to rate and review the Indie Cornrows podcast on Apple Podcasts. I, I really appreciate when you guys do that. That helps me out a ton. That helps uh, Indie Cornrows out a ton. That helps us a ton in just growing the podcast and uh, getting it out there because that that really means a lot to me. I, I put a lot of time into this, and that's not to hype myself up, but I I really want to make this the best Pacers podcast out there. Um, and do some really cool stuff with it and do some cool stuff for you guys. So um, thank you so much for listening and for being supportive uh, and just have an awesome rest of your day and go Pacers.